Welcome to the FireEye Ion Security Podcast. I'm Grady Summers, FireEye's Chief Technology Officer and the host for the Ion Security Podcast. Today we'll be talking about cyber threats in the healthcare sector, and I'm joined by FireEye's principal Intel analyst in the FireEye Intel team, Luke McNamara. Luke is also the principal author of a new report that FireEye has just put out called Beyond Compliance, Cyber Threats in Healthcare. Luke, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ray. Happy to be here. So I love this report, like super relevant. Uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about healthcare and the changes in the healthcare industry. We read a lot in the headlines, and I thought this report did a great job at outlining at a high level what the threats are and some really interesting deep dives. Maybe you could just start by telling us, you know, what are the threats to the healthcare sector that the, you and the FireEye Intel team are seeing? Yeah, it's, it's very similar to what we see in a lot of industries. Um, and one way you could kind of think about it or break it down is uh, two categories. The first would be threats to data. So data being stolen uh, by cyber criminals, uh, information being targeted by nation state actors, um, threats to research. And then the other category would be threats to continuity of operations. So if you are a healthcare provider, you have to maintain uptime. Um, how do you do that when you're contending with threats like ransomware? And some of these more disruptive threats that uh, impact your environment uh, and, and can uh, interfere with operations. Right. And it seems like there's a really diverse set of actors. Like just within that first category, you mentioned the threats to data. You know, the report outlines a, a number of different actors. What about the financially motivated cyber threat activity? I mean, how do we see that impacting healthcare? Yeah. So there's a couple of different areas where we see cybercrime actors come into play. Probably most notably, and what's made a lot of headlines, is just the actors selling access to PII or PHI, uh, or selling the databases themselves, rather. And it's a similar threat that's impacted other sort of adjacent industries. So if you think about healthcare insurers, uh, or in the financial services sector, but they get targeted for a lot of the same reasons. And I think it's important for organizations to realize, you know, in some cases, healthcare providers themselves have access to the same data. They have access to valuable patient information. And that can be monetized by a wide variety of actors. And then I would say probably the other category where we see uh, cybercrime activity is actors who are selling access to the organizations themselves. So maybe they're not trying to directly monetize uh, those data sets, but they're selling that access in the underground that others can then deploy ransomware into a victim environment or then collect records themselves. And when data is sold in the underground, particularly that PII that you mentioned, what's it being used for? And I have a follow-up question too. You know, the report outlined the recent sales that the team has observed in the black market and the prices, it struck me how much they vary, you know, from a few hundred bucks to you know, thousands of dollars in some cases. So what are they doing with it and why does it vary that much? Yeah, in a lot of cases, it's probably being used to enable further fraud operations. Um, and you do see a pretty wide uh, disparity in prices. So you can buy data sets for as low as a couple hundred dollars up to several thousand dollars um, for the most part, I think what we've seen, at least recently, has been uh, at least under $2,000. There's probably a regional breakdown for some of that. So if you're trying to buy a database that came from a healthcare provider in the U.S., that may differ from prices for databases uh, from Australia or India. The type of data being sold uh, has an impact on this. So is this data that contains credit card information in addition to uh, PHI? And then also the, the bulk of data. So are we talking about couple hundred thousand records or millions of records, uh, you know, which is what we've seen in some cases. So there's a, a wide disparity of it. And, and probably a larger question, too, of just how efficient of a market is this, uh, the underground market for healthcare. Right. So for this kind of data, healthcare is not being targeted 
so much because it's healthcare. It's just such a rich source of, of personal data, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, very different when we're talking about nation state activity uh, targeting data. Maybe you can talk a bit about that. Yeah. So for nation state targeting of, of healthcare, it probably represents a, a less frequent, uh, but in, in many respects and what we see elsewhere, uh, a much more high impact event when it does occur. And we've seen it, you know, certainly with some of the high profile uh, breaches in the last several years in which uh, large amounts of, of PII data has been targeted um, and stolen from healthcare providers here in the United States. We've had some pretty notable breaches in East Asia as well. So we've seen that sort of collection that uh, in a lot of cases we've theorized is, is to enable further intelligence operations. So if you're trying to gather information on a wide variety of targets within a particular country, going after uh, healthcare providers or insurers that have access to this data is one way to start gathering um, very, very sensitive information about people that can be used for further operations. The other, I think probably more niche area we see this is the targeting of research. Uh, so similar to what we saw earlier this year when we put out the, the APT40 report, and we saw the targeting of universities uh, for some of the maritime research that they were doing, we've seen interest and focus, uh, particularly amongst Chinese espionage operators, to go after medical research. And in particular, kind of an, an interesting um, niche even within that is cancer research. So I, as China, you know, the report I think outlines really well, as China has been dealing with more and more mortality related to cancer, naturally that becomes an interesting area for, for cyber espionage. Absolutely. Now, so, so that's sort of the data side you described, the two major threat areas. You also talked about the continuity side. And, you know, the natural question there is, is you know, are biomedical devices at risk? We've, we've heard a lot about that lately, and I'm curious what, what your research shows. Yeah, I think that, you know, particularly hospitals and healthcare providers, one of the challenges they have to deal with is it's very similar in many ways to the challenges that critical infrastructure operators have to deal with. So things like utility providers, where they have not just their corporate network that they have to secure, but then this almost sort of operational technology network. So you think about all of the things within hospitals and the proliferating number of these biomedical devices that everything from insulin pumps and you know, critical machines that are uh, there to, to help you know, maintain life-giving services, that's a constantly growing attack surface. What's interesting is, is from what we've seen outside some sort of uh, proof of concept uh, activity by researchers, we really haven't seen a whole lot of activity today targeting those uh, systems in particular. So while there may still be concerns around properly securing them, uh, we haven't really seen yet that focus by actors either on the cyber criminal side or nation state side, of really drilling down and targeting those machines in particular. And it seems like that's not for lack of, uh, of vulnerabilities. I mean, you, the report outlines the thousands of vulnerabilities uh, over the last decade in medical devices. Do you get the sense, are, are hospitals and, and care facilities protecting those devices better by, by separating them off the network? Or is it just, uh, is it just not been an interesting target? Yeah, I think a big component of it is just the risk appetite of, of certain actors. Yeah. So, for example, we saw actually in one case where an actor was offering ransomware services in the underground, and they specifically noted, we don't target hospitals. Oh, wow. um, so we do certainly see ransomware uh, affecting and impacting hospitals and, and the sort of same uh, ransomware families that are making headline breaking news every week, uh, targeting municipalities and cities. Some of that is certainly impacting hospitals as well. But there may be more of a reticence by some of these operators where they just don't have the risk appetite to, to carry out some sort of operation that could 
you know, potentially affect and impact some of the devices we mentioned. So it'll be interesting to see if that changes uh, down the road, if uh, some more adventurous or risk-tolerant actors decide, hey, there's money to be made targeting these critical systems that we know hospitals want to maintain uh, uptype on and, and, and uh, you know, have a critical function. But that may be one reason why we don't see as much of uh, the targeting of those systems in particular today. Yeah, it seems like we, we don't often think of threat actors as doing a lot of risk analysis, but it really is true as you outlined. It seems like there's a bright line, which they know if they cross, it'll invite retribution and they can no longer fly under the radar once that happens. And, and certainly taking taking a hospital offline would be one of those. Yeah, that's the sort of activity that invites a lot of uh, law enforcement uh, attention. So right. for some actors, are probably a little bit too much for them. Right. Which does then, I guess, bring us to ransomware. You know, although we just finished saying there has been an appetite to, to shut down a hospital, ransomware does that perhaps inadvertently at times. And it seems like that's becoming a real, real scourge of, of a lot of different industries, but particularly healthcare. Yeah, we do definitely see ransomware. And I think sort of the, the overall trend that we've seen uh, just in general with how we're seeing ransomware being utilized, particularly in these more high impact events, is this more targeted approach where actors are first breaching um, an organization's network and then deploying ransomware post-compromise, you know, potentially on, on more uh, key systems. Again, going back to that sort of delineation with not so much seeing it on the biomedical side, there's still a lot of you know, valuable information that they can lock down within a corporate network that a hospital or healthcare provider would have a willingness to, to pay a ransom for. Um, so that might be where where we do see it, that's where the, the actors are, are making that sort of delineation in activity uh, with how they're using ransomware. So are you saying that we, we believe that actors specifically do target hospitals because they know they're more likely to pay, or is it just indiscriminate that hospitals get hit at the same rate as other industries? Yeah, I think for some actors, it's, it's probably their, their risk calculus is, is a willingness to target hospitals because they think they can pay, yeah. uh, but maybe not go as far as targeting critical systems that could lead to a potential loss of life. And maybe in some cases, the actors, because they're deploying it in this more targeted approach, uh, feel like they have a, a willingness or means to control uh, the extent to how far it spreads within an, an organization's network. Right. Do you see anything that indicates hospitals or medical facilities are more at risk to ransomware because of just how they operate, how their networks are set up? Or, or, or would you say it's kind of the same as any industry? Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's very similar to other industries where you have some at the, at the top that are very mature, that have a lot of resources to throw at this problem. Uh, for smaller healthcare providers, you know, you probably just don't have as much of, uh, maybe don't have as much infrastructure um, security in place. Um, you know, you don't have as much that you can do to train up your personnel. You have one person that's doing uh, multiple different functions, uh, you know, trying to, to update and maintain these systems uh, may be a bit of a challenge. So, I think the, the lack of resources and in some cases, not as much of an understanding of what the threat landscape looks like uh, can lead to particularly some of these lower, um, lower resourced organizations being a target, uh, especially by opportunistic threat actors. That's right. And, and I know in, our, in some of our work, too, we've seen that hospitals tend to be more open environments by their very nature. You know, the inability to access data could be a problem when you're trying to save, save lives. Uh, therefore, tend to be more open. I'm generalizing here, but tend to be more open, flat networks that, that might be susceptible to this. Yeah, that could certainly play a role uh, as well in, in in who gets infected and who gets targeted. So uh, interesting. How do you see things evolving in the future for the healthcare industry? Well, I think certainly the 
just the attack surface, how that will change, you know, as we see more IoT devices, more more biomedical devices um, within healthcare providers' networks. That just presents an, an additional challenge for organizations to secure. The risk appetite is a big component of this. I mean, I think that the, the vulnerabilities and susceptibilities are there, uh, particularly among certain segments of this industry. So if we see a change in, you know, let's say the geopolitical landscape in which uh, in a period of heightened tensions, there's more willingness by some nation states to carry out disruptive targeting. And to see some of the more purposeful activity uh, that we saw from untargeted nation state activity, going back to things like WannaCry or NotPetya, uh, which weren't really focused on healthcare, but had an impact. Um, I think that would certainly, you know, have a, have a, a certain, a, a big impact in, in, in terms of the outcome. And also just a change in the risk appetite for cyber criminals. Uh, so if we do see more of a willingness to go after biomedical devices and critical systems within hospitals, or even actors who maybe not are, are not intentionally going after those systems, but are just becoming more aggressive inadvertently impact some of that, that sort of change in risk tolerance, I think, would have a big impact uh, down the road. So I think that's a, a big thing to kind of watch for when we're looking at sort of emerging trends in this space. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm curious, you, if you had a few words of parting advice, what would you recommend to somebody who's, who's working in security in the healthcare industry? How, how can they do more to stay on top of these threats and better defend themselves? Yeah, I think a big component is is just understanding what the threats look like. You know, we, we talked a little bit about the nation state threats from espionage. Again, that may not be a threat that every part of this industry or, or subset needs to worry about every day. But if you're in a field like medical research and you're working on some cutting edge new research around key areas that are of interest uh, from some of the groups that we've seen targeting before, you may have a higher susceptibility to those threats. So understanding the TTPs that threat actors in that space use is, is really useful. Looking at, at a more kind of macro general uh, level, just the trends in ransomware, as this is a, a threat that, that really impacts all industries. How is that changing? What are the most predominant families uh, that are coming out there uh, and being utilized in, in targeted ways? And then just good security hygiene. I mean, I think that's a, a, a step that, you know, whether it's just training and awareness around spear phishing uh, TTPs, that even small healthcare providers can kind of implement and, and help mature their, their workforce. Even just taking those steps is a good first start in dealing with this. Sounds good. Well, if our listeners are interested in learning more, I'd encourage uh, everyone to check out the report. Again, it's called Beyond Compliance, Cyber Threats in Healthcare. You can check that out on the FireEye website. If you Google it, I'm sure you'll get it as a hit. Luke, thanks for your time. It was really great chatting with you. Thanks, Grady.